In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. It is true that there are thousands of canonized saints, so many that there are not enough days in the year when we can honor all of them by name. But that is not why we have a holy day of obligation for all saints. It would be a little silly, just as a matter of practicality, to say everyone must set aside work and other obligations and spend this day like a Sunday because we just want to get them all in. Mind you, there are dozens of canonized saints for each day of the calendar year. The calendar isn't filled with an exhaustive list of people whom we know to be in heaven. Then it would be hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people. Babies who die with the sacrament of baptism, old people, anybody who dies in the odor of sanctity with the sacraments. We're not attempting to accumulate an exhaustive, complete list. Rather, when the church acknowledges someone to be a saint, she is saying that this person not only is heaven, but lived a life which is exemplary, not necessarily perfect, but with, but with heroic virtue and a heroic desire to serve and to please God. Moreover, the church knows this saint in heaven to be someone who can intercede for us effectively. This isn't just everyone who got in barely through the, through the doors of purgatory and are just simply happy to be in heaven. These are those in heaven who are in such a place that they can, can respond to our request for prayers and be powerful intercessors. The idea of a, of a ranking in heaven or some being closer or not to God might sound strained until we just acknowledge how we honor the Blessed Virgin Mary. We have no doubt that she ranks above all the saints, that she even ranks above all the angels, and that her powers and her intercession are unrivaled by the angels and the saints. No question about that. And so when the church waits for a miracle or several miracles before declaring someone to be a saint, it's not just an ecclesiastical hoop to which we subject even the dead, but it's rather to be able to tell the faithful confidently, definitively, prayers to this saint in heaven will benefit you. It's worth acknowledging, too, that the angels and the saints don't read your mind. They don't know what you're thinking just because they're in heaven. You actually have to address them. You don't have to make noise and speak out loud, but you have to lift your soul up to them and speak to them, or in Shakespearean language, pray to them. That should be of some comfort then, because it means that the fallen angels... And the damned, they also can't play mischief by reading your heart, knowing your thoughts, and hearing your prayers. 
That being said, it's not as though All Saints Day is the one big catch-all opportunity to ask all of the saints to pray for us, and therefore we get to benefit from all of their intercession. That would be a little too simple. When you read through the liturgy of the church, which is not just the, the prayers and the readings here at the altar, but the liturgy of the hours as well, the divine office, you'll see our being drawn to meditate on how our contemplation of the saints, our desiring their company, makes us grow in our desire to be holy. It helps us to be holy. That kind of conversation comes up in in the confessional easily enough. Someone confesses a lack of patience or lack of mercy, a lack of charity. And frequently enough, I'll ask, do you know someone who's always been patient with you? Do you know someone who's always been merciful, someone always been kind, someone who's always been charitable to you? Thank God for that person. Pray to God in thanksgiving for that person, and you will become more like them. Seek out their company. Grow in friendship with them, and and their virtues and their habits will become yours. The opposite is also true. St. Paul will chide us, bad bad company corrupts good morals. I say it to your shame. And so when, when we honor all the saints, when we think of them, as we get to know them, we want to be like them. We want to be with them. And we benefit. They don't benefit from today. We benefit from our growing in friendship with them. But I would suggest to you that it goes even a few steps deeper than that. Because when we consider all the saints, all the thousands and thousands of saints, and yes, even the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands, maybe the millions and millions of saints in heaven, maybe, and we're overwhelmed at their enormous number. The book of Revelation counts them and then says they, they're so numerous they can't be counted. We should be struck with the realization that it is normal to become holy. It is the ordinary course of life to become a saint. When we honor the saints individually, we benefit from their great example. And and when we learn about them in particular and and know the details of their life, we we can be moved and inspired. It's also possible that we can so venerate them in isolation that we that we mistakenly think of them as the the rare example, as the unattainable ideal. But when we venerate all the saints together in all their glory, we should be overwhelmed with the realization that that's that's the way it should be. We should all be like that. We should all be with them. We were made for that. 
And yet, as we understand what it means to be, to be purified of sin and to grow in virtue and to, and to be perfected as our Heavenly Father is perfect, we realize that as much as that is the way it's supposed to be, it's impossible for me without God's grace. It is impossible just by virtue of my own desire or my own determination. It is a miracle of God's grace. It's a miracle that ought to happen all the time in each one of us. It is the normal course of events that in this church, bread and wine are changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. It is the normal course of life that God turns the ordinary and makes it sacred. That's what God does when we let him. And so I suggest a further, um, a further consideration. Because whenever we're here in the sanctuary, it's never for our own benefit. It certainly isn't just to have a moral lesson and to be encouraged to behave. Our ultimate purpose and our first purpose here is always to worship and honor God. And so when we honor all the saints... How can we refrain from honoring and worshiping the God who made them, who sanctified them? Their being saints is his accomplishment. Far, far more glorious than creating the universe out of nothing is the accomplishment of God's grace to take a free, rational creature and to draw them into a relationship and to, and to help them freely choose to become holy. I mean, we, we honor and we glorify God for having created the universe. Every sunset, every sunrise, every mountain, every ocean view reminds us of that. How much more so do we honor and worship God for sending his only begotten son to be incarnate, to live among us, to suffer with us, to die for us, to rise from the dead and to be with us, to show us his victory. And then in the ultimate in the ultimate scene of heaven and for all eternity, we worship and honor God in the glory of seeing all of his work come to fruition. Surrounded by his angels who have served him perfectly from the beginning of their existences and even more wondrously, the human beings who were rescued from the grip of death and brought to be Sons and daughters of God who lived up to their noble calling. That's why we're here. Can we imagine any, any greater accomplishment of God? To the degree that we have a good examination of conscience, we know that the God making us saints will be an unparalleled work of majesty. But that is the ordinary course of life. And so blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.